Well, guys, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to open them up uh, to a couple places. Uh, the first place is, is the book of Isaiah uh, that's in the Old Testament, prophet Isaiah. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 1. We're also going to be um, in Luke chapter 1. And so and we'll be in Romans 3 a little bit, but I'll, I'll tell you when we get there. So our primary text this morning, Isaiah chapter 1 and the book of Luke chapter 1. We'll be in both those places as we continue um, our series on Advent, right? Our, our, our season of Advent. And, and I've shared with you last two weeks that this, this season of Advent started being practiced in churches back in the fifth century. And so uh, it, it became a season where we were trying to prepare our hearts. The word Advent in Latin means coming. And so it was a time to celebrate uh, Christ's first coming. That's Christmas, right? And, and it was a way of, of spending uh, four Sundays leading up to Christmas to kind of break out of what we normally do, and, and, and to force us to reflect on exactly what Jesus' coming to earth means for us. And the goal was, was one, to set our hearts ready for the Christ Mass. That's, that's Christmas. The church met on Christmas Day, had a special Mass. So it was to get us ready for the Christ Mass to celebrate uh, Jesus' birth. But it was also meant to put within us a stirring for God's second coming, that we would long for Jesus' second advent. And so this morning, and that's what we're here to do. Uh, that is the goal. Uh, and, and so our, our goal this morning specifically is to set our hearts on the thought of what this third candle means, this pink candle that we light today, which represents joy. The joy that the shepherds felt there as the angel of the Lord appeared to him and made this great birth announcement of Jesus. How cool would it have been to be there at that moment? As Jacob said, after 400 years of silence, God is speaking again, and God is going to show up and say, hey, he is here. And this is good news, great joy for all people. So this morning, we're going to talk about that joy, okay? Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us, and we thank you for your word And this morning, what we ask is that you would come and meet with us in a very special way by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and take your place as our teacher here at this church, as our guide. And we ask that you would simply open our minds and our hearts to the words of Jesus. Jesus, we know that when you're lifted up, you'll draw all men to yourself. I'm thinking of um, you uh, speaking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus and how you opened the scriptures and their hearts were burning because of the way you opened their hearts to the scriptures. King Jesus, would you do the same thing by the power of your spirit this morning? Would you open the scriptures to us that our hearts might burn with a new passion for you and for your kingdom? In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right. Well, guys, we're going to begin this morning uh, by taking in a bunch of the Bible. That's kind of what we're going to do. It's Christmas. We're taking a bunch of the Bible. So I'm going to be uh, in three places in Isaiah. We're going to be in a couple places in Luke. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'm in Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 2. We're going to read 2 through 4 together. Then we'll skip uh, down some and and, and kind of hop around. But I'm in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 2. And the Word of God says this. says, Listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have raised children and brought them up, the Lord says, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's feeding trough, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Uh, Now, I'm going to jump to verse 16. Verse 16, we'll read 16 through 20. Wash yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. Remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. 
Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And now I'm in Isaiah chapter 9. If you want to turn there, Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 2. Again, the word of the Lord says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the, road on, and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Okay? Now, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. Book of Luke chapter 1. Guys, what we're about to read is written, uh, occurs some 700 years after what we just read. So we read in Isaiah, it's about 700 years before what's going to occur now here in the New Testament. And so I'm in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to be, uh, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Now the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now we just read that in Isaiah. So the angel of the Lord shows up to Mary and says, Hey, this is going to happen to you. You're going to give him the name Jesus. He's going to be the Son of the Most High. Okay? And his kingdom will never end. He's going to reign over the house of David, which is what the prophet Isaiah had been writing about. Now I'm in uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from uh, the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David. 
to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And then she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying and a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people that he favors. So Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Mary, we say that because of what happens. The angel of the Lord appears to Mary and says, Hey, God, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're, you're going to give birth to uh, the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. Mary says, how can this happen? I, I, I've never had sexual relations. The angel's like, Holy Spirit is going to take care of that for you, Mary. Holy Spirit's going to take care of that for you. And so what we have in Jesus is unique. When Jesus is born, he's, he's both fully the Son of God, and he's also both fully the, the Son of Mary. Uh, the technical term for that in theology is called the hypostatic union. And it means that Jesus is not half and half. He's 100% and 100%. He's, he's unique, unlike anyone else ever in the history of mankind. Jesus now is forever going to be called the, uh, the God-man, right? So, so it's proper to use the, the term Son of God, and it's okay if you hear the term Son of Mary, because Jesus was completely both of those things. And so Jesus, we find out in the text, is this child that Isaiah spoke about, right? Jesus is the child that is given to us. He is the son that, that is, is given for us. He's the promise that was made some 700 years before, and, and actually way before that, because God promised back in Genesis chapter 3, remember, a, a son of Eve was coming, a descendant of Eve was coming that was going to crush the head of Satan, the, the great enemy, the great antagonist. And so the angel of the Lord confirms that Jesus is indeed this, this unique individual in two places, right? First, he shows up to Mary, right? He shows up to Mary and he says, like, he is going to be called the Son of the Most High. That means the, the Son of God, right? And then, and then he says, uh, confirming that this is indeed the Messiah, he says, and he will reign over the house of David and his kingdom will have no end. Wow. You're like, wow. Okay, so this, this is him. Now, now, the angel with the shepherds is even clearer, right? The shepherds probably weren't quite as sharp as Mary. And so the shepherd's out looking after the sheep. And so the angel shows up and he says, like, listen, I'm just going to tell you flat out that this is the Messiah, right? That this is the Messiah. So he shows up and he says, don't be afraid. I proclaim you good news of great joy for all people today in the city of David. A Savior was born to you. Get this, who is the Messiah, the Lord who is the Messiah, the Lord. And the angel is saying, here he is. I don't know about you, that's about as plain and simple as it can get. You ever read your Bible and hope that God would speak to you that way? <laughs> there, there are moments, there are those moments, God just shows up and says, stop doing that. Right? I love those moments. Right? Those are those moments. I'm like, thank you, Lord. And there's other moments. I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Here it's plain as day. Angel Lord shows up and says, hey, a Savior's been born to you. This is the Messiah. 
that you have been waiting for. And, and the text proclaims that this truth, that, that this is the Messiah, that this G, that the text proclaims this truth, get this, is, is good news and, and it should be our source of joy. So why is that? Why, why should it be our source of joy? What exactly is the good news? So let's get into this announcement, shall we? It's on the screens. Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 10 and 11. It says, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And so the question is, is this a birth announcement? Is that what this is? Is this a birth announcement? Yes, absolutely. It's a birth announcement. All right? Now, second question. Is that all this is? Is that all this is? Is this only a birth announcement? And, and the answer, of course, is no. But, but then the following question, well, then what else is it? What else is it if it's more than a birth announcement? We all kind of feel in our spirit, no, no, it's more than a birth announcement. But what, what else is it? I'll tell you, ready? See, the angel of the Lord is not just making an announcement of the birth of Christ. He's actually witnessing to the shepherds. It, 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 it's a word we use called evangelizing. The angel of the Lord has come from heaven to evangelize, to witness to these shepherds that are out in the field. Okay? You say, well, how do, how, do, how do you get that, Pastor? Where's this coming from? Well, that word proclaim there, I proclaim to you, ready? That word proclaim in the Greek is the word from which we get our word evangelize. Okay? It actually means to, to, to preach. Um, specifically, it means to preach the gospel. So the angel of the Lord shows up to shepherds in a field, and he does not show up just to make a birth announcement. He shows up to do church. All right? So the angel of the Lord shows up to people that, that have long known that they need a Savior, and he comes not just saying, hey, Jesus has been born. He actually shows up to preach the gospel, uh, is what the text says. And, and it says, uh, so, so if we read it like that. So I preach the gospel to you, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, interesting. Now, we're, gonna, we're just doing a little word study here. And so, I proclaim to you, that's the Greek word for evangelize, for preach the gospel. Guess what? The word good news or the phrase good news, guess what word that is? Same word. Same word. Angel of the Lord says, listen, so I come to preach the gospel to you. And he says, and the gospel is your source of great joy. So, so then we have to ask, if the gospel is our source of great joy, the, the pink candle that we light, then what exactly is the gospel? And, and, and of course, textually, we, we would answer that, and it would be kind of the next sentence, right? The, 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 the source of great joy is, hello, a Savior has been born for you. A soter is the word. Uh, a Savior, a deliverer has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Our source of joy, right? It's a, the good news. So this morning, what I, what I want to do is I just, listen, I don't know if you've caught it yet. Our entire Advent season is about the gospel. So we started in Genesis chapter 3 with what? The first gospel. With, with the man's darkest day, as we lit the candle of hope, on man's darkest day, God set a single light ablaze of hope. And he says, a savior is coming. One will be born and he will crush the head of this serpent. He will crush the head of this one that has caused such division between us. He is coming. The serpent will strike his heel, but he will crush his head. And, and, and that was our, our first Sunday in Advent. We talked about hope. Now, now, 
Last week, we talked about peace. And we looked at Ephesians chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 2 of all chapters uh, in the Bible, in my humble opinion, might be the best picture of the gospel. Now, if you're not a picture person, maybe you prefer to read Romans 1 through 4. Right? If you're a textual person, you like to read the story. Romans 1 through 4 certainly paints a, a, a beautiful picture of the gospel. But if, you just, if you're a visual person, there's nothing like Ephesians 2 that explains that by nature, because of our sin, we are enemies of God and objects of his wrath, that we're completely divided by, 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 by our sin from God, but that Christ came in his flesh to make the two one, to destroy the dividing wall of hostility so that whether you were far away or you were near, whether you were Gentile or you were Jew, you could now be back in the Holy of Holies in the presence of God in Genesis 1 and 2 where we were meant to be before the fall of mankind. Only Jesus can do that, right? And so we've been preaching the gospel. And so we're just going to continue this proclamation uh, of the gospel this morning. That's what the angel says, behold, I preach the gospel to you and this should be your source of joy. Guys, what the, what, what the angel is basically saying is this, ready? This, this baby that's been born, ready? He's the answer. He's the answer. Jesus is the answer. He is the one that you have been longing for. He's the one that you've been looking for. He is the answer. And I want that word for you to stick out this morning, answer. Jesus is the answer. And here's why. Because the gospel... The good news, our source of joy, ready? Here's what the gospel does. It answers life's four most important questions. Four most important questions. So this morning, I'm going to go over life's four most important questions with you. And I'm going to talk about how the gospel answers those questions. And when we're all said and done, we should understand why then the gospel is our source of joy. Okay? All right. So here's the first question Uh, that we have in life. It's really the the most foundational question that we have to answer. Who made me and to whom am I accountable? Who made me and to whom am I accountable? You get out a board game and you, the very first thing you do is you have to figure out what the game is about, right? What, what is the game about? What, what do I have to do? What is the purpose of this, this time I'm going to spend? And so, so the greatest question in life that we have is what is this life about? Right, right. Who wrote the rule book? What is my job? What am I supposed to do? How does it work? It's the first most foundational question that every human being should ask. Now some people would say... Well, I am a result of a cosmic accident, right? That there was a warm uh, primordial uh, pile of ooze and and somehow uh, some kind of energy force, maybe it was a comet, maybe it was a meteor, somehow maybe it was lightning, right? And and where did the lightning come from? I don't know where that came from. I don't know where the ooze came from. But somehow some energy force struck this primordial thing of ooze and and then an amoeba was born. And then that amoeba developed and, and it eventually be, turned in, into something that had like a, like a tadpole and then the tadpole crawled out and it began, and, and so, and then it became a monkey and then eventually that became somebody that walked upright and they began to talk and they spoke a language and, the, and then we started fire and then, you know, and then the whole world was changed and we, we started cut, carving, carving rocks and, and making arrows and, and making wheels and levers and levers. And, and so my job then, if, if I am a cosmic accident and, 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 and the whole point of life is just to keep evolving. My job is just to keep evolving. 
That's the answer to life. It's the answer to life, right? Just to keep evolving, right? So that, that, that's one answer, right? Some people, they're in their search for significance, they believe that, uh, well, on some sense, and it, it seems almost biblical, why I, we, we came from the earth somehow. We belong to Mother Earth. And so therefore, what I must do is treasure and take care of my mother, to take care of Mother Earth. That's the most important thing in the world, right? So guys, what I'm telling you is, no matter where you turn in any corner of the globe, people are trying to answer this question, Right? Who made me and whom am I accountable to? And so that, that's the first question. The second question we, we ask, and, and it's really, really important, is, is kind of the question, well, what's wrong? See, all of humanity knows that something's wrong. They just don't know what it is. And, and, and for many people, what's wrong is a lack of knowledge. And so they think, well, I've, I've got to gain knowledge. And some people, they think, well, what's wrong is the way that we treat one another. And so we have to create a utopian society where, where, where we, we, we all have same access to everything, which, by the way, just puts one dictator in power because somebody's got to hand out the power to everybody else. And it creates a class system. It always has throughout the history of mankind. So, so, so we got to do that, right? And so it's this question, like, like what is broken with the world? That's the second question we have. What is my problem? Am I in trouble? And if I'm in trouble, why? Right? Third question. Third question we have to ask. What's God's solution to my problem? Right? How, how has he acted? What has he done to save me for it? And then the fourth question we have to ask. We're going to do this really quick. Ready? Fourth question. How am I included? How am I included? How can, get, how can I get in on this? What, what's the good news? And so I want to walk through these very quickly with you this morning. As we are... Short on time. So here we go. First, first question. Who made me and to whom am I accountable? Um, let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. Listen heavens and pay attention earth for the Lord has spoken. I have raised up children and brought them up. God says I, I, I. You're my children. I've, I've created. That's what Isaiah. And by the way, the Bible declares this kind of throughout. This is the, the whole story. God over and over again says, hey, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in charge. Right? Genesis 1.1. In the beginnings, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis uh, chapter uh, 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our own image. Romans 1, 18 uh, and 19. Paul would say this, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. And what he's saying is we didn't create ourselves. We're not autonomous. We're not independent. So life's first biggest question, who made me and to whom am I accountable? And the Bible would declare from cover to cover, ready? God made you and you're accountable to him. Okay? So second question, well then, what's wrong? Right? What, 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 is, what is my problem? Right? Am I in trouble? And why am I in trouble? And, and again, here's, here's what the text would say. Isaiah 1, uh, verse 2, and again, this is throughout the Bible, but this is what it says. So listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have raised up children and brought them up, but... They have what? Rebelled against me. So the answer is yes, I am in trouble. And why am I in trouble? Because I have rebelled against God. Because I have rebelled against God. That is my problem. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Ephesians chapter 2, because we are part of that lineage, the Bible says we've all rebelled against God. And Ephesians 2, remember last week, declared because of that, we are enemies of God and objects of God's wrath. That is my problem. My problem is that I have sinned and I have rebelled against the God that created me, against the holy, perfect God that has created me. And so I'm going to be held accountable for that sin and, and rebellion. That means that I will have to pay for it. So the question is, what's the wage? 
What's the cost? And, and the Bible declares that the, the wage of sin is death. That's what God said all the way back in the garden. He said, Adam and Eve, I'm going to put you in perfection. I want you to know that if you sin, you're going to die. That's the cost. That's the wage. So we read in Romans, right? That, that's, it's just, just declaring this is the wage of sin. Now, now listen, that's not good. I am a sinner. It's not good, but it is important, by the way. I'm, I'm a sinner who has rebelled against God. I currently stand as his enemy. I will be held accountable. That is my problem, which leads to the third biggest question in life. What is God's solution? Is there help available? Right? How can what's been done be undone? Isaiah 1.18, again, just going through the text we read. Come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though, you are, uh, though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. And then Isaiah 9.6, right? How's it going to happen? For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. God's solution is a son. God's solution is a son that will come and will bear the weight of the world upon his shoulders. Don't, don't read that in, in government and, and think about political rulership. God's government Jesus will bear the weight of the sin of humanity upon his shoulders. This is the promise, right? In other words, and by the way, this is radical. I just want you to hear this. This is radical to answer this third question, what what do I do? So here's the Bible's radical answer to what do I do because of, right, I'm made by God, I'm accountable to God, I've sinned against God. And I'm currently his enemy. What do I do? And here's the radical solution, ready? God's solution to our sin problem has nothing to do with some kind of better behavior on our part. That's the proclamation of the gospel, right? The gospel, whether you're in Isaiah, whether you're in Romans 1 through 4, whether you're in Luke chapter 2, God doesn't show up and say, behold, today you're going to clean up your act. Right? Behold, today I've, I've provided way for you to start making better choices. Right? Today, I've provided a way for you to get healthy and prosperous. Right? Today, that's what I've done. No, God shows up and he proclaims, today, a soul tear has been born for you. A savior, which means you need saving. Right? That's the proclamation. Is, is I am going to do for you what you could not do for yourself. I'm going to save you. And it's nothing that you can do on your own and by yourself. That's why that word grace appears over and over and over and over in God's word. I need someone to save me. Last question we have to answer. This is where we get to joy, ready? Yeah, but is it for me? Is it for me? How can I be included in this? Like, okay, so God sent his son Jesus, and that's great. And Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. And I'm a sinner, but, but what does that mean for me? What does it mean for, for me? How am I included? See, it's not good news if it doesn't apply to me. If I'm in a burning building and there's a fire escape, but the fire escape is on the other side of the building and I can't get to it, the fire escape is of no value to me, is it? Right? I've got to have access. I have to have the ability to use it. I, 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 it had, that's the only way. And so, so the question is, okay, so yes, God, uh, you sent a, a savior. You sent a soter. You sent somebody that would set things right. It's the promise that you set in, in Genesis chapter 3. You promised one would come and crush the head of Satan. And so Jesus is coming. He's crushed the head of Satan. He's crushed the, the power of death. But, but is that for me? 
And so, so we have to look at the proclamation again. We have to look at the gospel that the angel preaches again. And what does the gospel say, right? Put it on the screen. It's up here somewhere. Today in the city of David, right, this is the good news. This is the gospel. Today in the city of David, a savior, a soter, was born for who? For you. Today, a savior has been born for who? For you, which means that when we come to, to the house of God, and when we think about Christmas morning, we think about packages and presents, and we think about John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that He gave the most precious gift, that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life, that that package, that present, has your name on it. That is for you, right? Do you remember as a kid what that was like? You woke up. Anybody have a big family? How many you had? Chris, you had a big How many brothers you had? Like 22, right? 20, 27? Eight brothers. Eight brothers. So you, I want you to imagine Christmas morning in Chris's house, and you get up, and there's boxes and stuff, and I promise you, Chris is going, which one is mine? Which one is mine? Which one has a name on? And he probably knew because he'd been shaking stuff under the tree. I know Chris trying to figure it out. Something magical. When you see your name written on that tag, when you understand that what is ever this good thing is, it's not for somebody else, but it's for me. And hear me, this is why, this is why Jesus is our source of joy. Because Jesus is for us. Because he came for us. Now, what do you do with that? I think there's, just a couple things. Number one, uh, I would say is, and we have to believe and receive, right? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Jesus is for you. And so if you're here and, and, and you're not in that place yet, just stop waiting. Just stop waiting. Be in that place today. Today, say, Jesus, I don't know everything I need to know about you. Some people think that's what they have to do. They got to figure it all out, right? And, and then other people think they got to clean themselves up. Man, I, I want this Jesus, but I got to get my act right first. Like, listen, the proclamation would have been, okay, hello, I've given you a book. Now go get yourself clean. But that's not the proclamation. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you can't get yourself clean. So I am sending a soter. I am sending a savior, a deliverer who will deliver you from the curse of the law, from the power of sin and death. You need a savior. You don't need a, a 10 steps to getting your life more in order. You need a savior, right? And so I would tell you this morning, how do I do that, Jason? You just, it's not hard. Bow your head in prayer in a moment and say, Jesus, save me where I am. I'm a sinner and I need you. I believe in you, and he will come into your life, man. The Holy Spirit will enter your... your it's weird. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know where to... Biblically, I've studied all the words, right? Mind, heart, soul, spirit. I don't, even, I don't even know how to explain what the Holy Spirit does. He comes into your cavity, right? He comes... I mean, yes, he does. It is somewhere in here in the gaping hole. Uh, uh, the Bible says it, that, that God's planted a, a eternity in the hearts of men, but like, is it like in this organ that's beating? No, it's somewhere depth in, like, in the bowels of who we are. We know that we're broken and we're in need, and the Holy Spirit comes into that place. Like, into, into that place and says, I got it. I got it. From here, I'll fix everything else. So you just have to believe. So that's where you start, okay? Second thing. 
Second thing I would say to you, <coughs> this is big, is you got to rejoice. You got to rejoice, okay? Now, here's the deal. Um, we stink at this, right? So um, my 20th anniversary is coming up uh, January 2nd, and uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. No. Uh, my wife, I've been informed, though we had an agreement, I thought. Um, we were not, we're not doing anything big. We're kind of like, we're, hey, we're trying to build a house. Uh, all these things, we're not doing anything big. And then she informed me she got me the best gift ever. That's what she said. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait. And here's what that means. This is what I know. This is what I know at this point. I'm losing, right? I, I, I got some ideas. I, some of them are even romantic. Like, I got some ideas. But it ain't going to compare. She's won. So here's what happens. When I get that gift, one of two things can happen. When, when you get a gift that is remarkably better than you deserve, one of two things can happen. Either you can receive it and feel guilty. Right? Some of us, that we're that way. When we get outgiven, we feel guilty. When we get something that we don't deserve, man, we feel guilty. And so we get this amazing thing and we hang our heads going, man, I'm not worthy. We don't enjoy it at all. You know, some of you in this room, that's how you act with Jesus. God has given you the greatest thing ever. And the truth is, instead of rejoicing, instead of just enjoying Jesus, you walk around with your head hung low because you understand uh, what a sinner you are, right? But you just don't understand what a savior he is. Right? So at some point, on some level, like, listen to me. Get this in your heads, ready? Get this through your thick skulls. I love you. You're not worthy of him. I'm not worthy of him. That's the point, right? You're not good enough for him. You couldn't do enough for him. Like, that is the point. But you need him, right? You need him and give him. And God gave him. And, and so the only response to that kind of generosity, right? When I am lost and I am dying and I'm enemy of God and the wrath of God is upon me and I'm separated from God and I'm far away from God and there's no way I can bridge the chasm. The only way to receive that is, is not to then hang my head low after God has given the most amazing gift on the face of the planet. The, the goal is not then to spend the rest of my life in, in the fetal position, man. The goal is to get up and whoa, yeah! 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 That's the goal! The goal is, is to rejoice in the Lord. Look at what God has done for me, baby! Look at what God has done for me, baby! Look at what God has done for me! That's the gospel! Jesus is our source of joy. So this Christmas, let there be no guilt. Let there be no more separation. Let there be no more anything that holds you captive. Today we rejoice, not because we're worthy, not because we've done anything special. We rejoice because he's special. He special. Look at what God can do, even with a sinner like me. Amen. Amen. Amen.